Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be talking about experiencing the extraordinary supernatural peace of God this morning. Before we do, a couple reminders. Next Saturday, November the 4th, is our Understanding the Bible seminar. This is your last Sunday to sign up for that. So we would just ask you to just prayerfully consider taking advantage of that opportunity of getting more out of your time in God's Word every day. It's a tool that, I'm telling you, it will benefit you for the rest of your life. Take those four hours next week. It's free. And come. Going to be a delicious lunch. And so please sign up for that out at the information table. And then finally this morning, many of you remember Pastor Juan Carlos who came up from Tucson and interpreted for Pastor Miguel when he was here. Uh, Pastor Juan is having a special event at his church in Tucson on December the 1st and 2nd and would like to invite any of his friends here from the Oasis to come down and be a part of that. And uh, so Nellie and Miguel have that information. They will have that out there in the lobby. Uh, please see Miguel or Nellie or Sophie or one of the Martinez family, and they'll make sure that you get the information of what's going on that weekend and how to be a part of it. I know Pastor Juan Carlos would be greatly encouraged to see some of the folks from the Oasis down there in Tucson that weekend. So as I said, today we're going to be talking about experiencing the extraordinary supernatural peace of God. And before we get into this message this morning, I'd like to ask you a question that I only want you to answer from within yourself. I don't want you to respond in an external way. I just want this to be an answer between you and God. And the question is this. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? We live in a world today where billions of human beings lack peace. Especially the kind of supernatural, extraordinary peace that Paul shares with us here in Philippians 4. A peace that is beyond human comprehension. And Paul wants to remind us that if you and I are a child of God, if we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, then we have the peace that passes all understanding. That's a gift that God gives to every one of his children. The only question really is, am I experiencing that peace? Because what Paul is going to share with us here in the first nine verses of Philippians chapter 4 is not how to have the peace of God or attain the peace of God. It's more sharing with us principles that if we don't keep these things in mind, we can prevent, if you will, the reception of God's peace in our life. It's there, but we're simply sort of cutting it off. It's being blocked, if you will, from flowing through our spiritual being. 
And with that in mind, I want to I share with you uh, an illustration that I, I think will help us maybe to understand why Paul then comes at it from this perspective. I want you to think for a moment of a very non-spiritual thing. I want you to think of something medical, but that we're all very familiar with nowadays, and that is heart disease. Our blood is flowing through our physical body all the time. We, we've got blood there, right? But what heart disease will do in a human being is build up plaque in our arteries and in our, you know, blood flow system to where even though the blood is there, it is being prevented by the plaque in our system from, from functioning and flowing through our whole body and sort of keeping our body functioning at optimum level. Well, what Paul is going to share with us today is this. You and I have, just like we have blood physically, we as children of God have the peace that passes all understanding within us. It's part of the gift that God gives us when we become a Christian. But you and I, if we aren't doing certain things or watching out for certain things, we can, in a sense, begin to allow spiritual plaque to build up in our spiritual system to where it prevents the flow of God's peace from really sort of infiltrating and getting into our being and really taking control of our mind and our heart and keeping us at peace. And that's why Paul shares the things that he does with us today. So notice in verse 1, the first thing Paul says to the Philippians is, you and I have to be relentless. And that takes resolve. Notice what he says, so then. It's a great word in the Greek language because it's sort of a swinging door. It swings back to chapter 3 and then into chapter 4. And he's basically reminding us of what we talked about last week, that there are many who mind earthly things, even as Christians. Their, their focus is on the here and now and on this life and not the life to come and not investing in eternity. And so he's saying, look, there's going to be all these things in our life that are going to try to pull us away from the Lord and our foundation in him. So he says, so then, my brothers and sisters, dear friends. By the way, you'll see this word twice in verse 1 of Philippians 4. It's the Greek word agabatoi. It means beloved. Notice he's saying to these Philippian brothers and sisters, you are my beloved, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. He says, you're not only a source of joy for me now, you will be, and my relationship with you will be a source of joy down through eternity. Stand in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. Stand. Be relentless. Don't let the winds and waves of, of the world and, and the way worldly people think and whatever get you off of your center, which is Jesus Christ. Remember in the Gospels in Matthew 7 when Jesus talks about uh, hearing his words and doing them and he, and he talks about building our life either on the sand or on the rock? 
And you remember in that story that Jesus is telling that in both cases, both people will experience storms and waves and strong winds. It's not like the person who's building their life on the rock has it easy and the person who built their life on the sand has it really hard. He's saying they both will have difficulties and challenges and obstacles and hard times in their life. That's not the issue. The issue is, am I standing in the Lord? That no matter even if I do experience storms and winds and waves and all of that, I can stand and be firm and stable because I'm standing on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing Paul's saying here. Be relentless. And that takes resolve. Because as I said, there's so many things throughout our life as Christians that can not only pull us away from our spiritual foundation found in Christ, but can pull us away from the peace that passes all understanding that we have in Christ and we can begin to have our minds filled with anxiety and worry and stress and all of these things. In fact, again, we live in a world of addiction. Whether you're talking about addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, addiction to sex, it doesn't matter. Our world is addicted to everything. And you know what the highest addiction is right now in our world? The highest addiction in our world today is addiction to anxiety. Our world and the human beings who live in it are literally addicted to anxiety in their life. And Paul's saying part of that for Christians who are not at peace right now in their life is because they're not standing in the Lord. They've allowed something to pull them or push them or get them off center of no matter what, I'm going to stand right here. I'm not going to let someone go this way or push me this way or that way. In fact, this term stand was a military term in Paul's day. It was used for a soldier who would stay at their post no matter what was happening. No matter what they were facing, they were going to stay at their post. Paul says, be relentless. That's one of the ways you and I will continue to experience the peace of God. Secondly, verse 2, be reconciled. Notice that Paul dearly loves these people at the church at Ephesus or in Philippi, and he knows them so well, he knows these two ladies by name, and he calls them out. You know, a lot of people say, I, I wish my name was in the Bible. Maybe not in this case you wouldn't. And yet I think Paul knew them well enough to know I can do this because I have a very good friendship and relationship with these two gals. How do we know that? Because he says, these two gals, they worked alongside of me. I knew them. They know me. And we have a relationship. We have a friendship with one another. And he's appealing to them. Notice he says, I appeal to Judea and to Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Be reconciled. Whatever has separated, whatever has divided you can be overcome in the Lord. It doesn't mean they both can't have their own opinion. It doesn't mean that they have to agree on everything as far as uniformity goes. But he's saying you've got to keep the unity of the body of Christ. And even if you disagree, then do it agreeably. Do it in the Lord. 
recognize that our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ is actually more important than us somehow pushing our own agenda and always getting our own way and having everybody even in the body of Christ thinking like we do. Paul says, no, be reconciled because you know what will mess up enjoying and experiencing the peace that passes all understanding in our life when our relationships with each other is always on the outs. And that's why the devil works so hard at driving wedges between us in our relationships. Because when our relationships aren't right with one another, they're not aligned as they should be, then we are building up that spiritual plaque, if you will, in our soul, and we're not really experiencing the peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because at night, when we go to bed, we're thinking about, well, that person, we haven't spoken for weeks. And I, I can't, you know, and then we get up in the morning, and what's the first thing we think about? We think about all these broken friendships and broken relationships, and that's what we obsess over rather than really enjoying and experiencing the peace of God. Now, I realize there is sort of a caveat here to this. Both of these women obviously knew the Lord and were great servants of the Lord. It's a whole different ballgame whenever you're talking about a Christian and a non-Christian. Because there's no way that non-Christian can agree in the Lord. They're not operating from that paradigm, if you will. But for Christians, Paul is saying, you and I have to learn to get along with each other and agree in the Lord and not allow things to separate or divide us. Keep the unity in the body. In fact, we're going to talk about that Wednesday night in our Bible study. It's one of the great blessings that God gives to us. Then he even appeals to the church by saying, yes, help them, my true companion. Help them. They have struggled together in the gospel ministry along with me and Clement and my other co-workers whose names are in the book of life. These women, they were great servants. So it reminds us that it, he's not talking here about immature believers or new believers. These two women were rock solid. And yet they allowed something to come between them to where the whole church knew these two women can't get along, and they're even bringing sort of their feud, if you will, and, and their divisiveness into the body of Christ. And then that affects our worship, and it, it affects the word. It affects every dynamic that, that a local church is to be built on. So Paul says, be relentless, stand in the Lord, and be reconciled in your human relationships. Agree in the Lord. Third, verse 4. He says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Did you notice something here in these first few verses? The only way we can do any of this is to remain or abide in the Lord. Notice, stand, what? In the Lord. Agree, what? In the Lord. Rejoice. In the Lord. That's why Jesus said, you cannot do this without me. John 15, 5. 
So he kept telling his followers, you've got to remain in me and abide in me and stay in fellowship with me because it's only as you and I stay within the sphere of the supernatural sun and power of God can we stand and agree and rejoice. And what's Paul saying here? He's saying to followers of Jesus, cultivate joy in your hearts toward the Lord. No, he's not saying rejoice in all of life's circumstances because sometimes life's circumstances stink. And God never tells us, oh, rejoice over the news that, you know, you have cancer. That, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says that. But what it does say is, as a Christian, I can always find joy in knowing God in knowing God loves me and having a relationship with God and knowing God has forgiven me and knowing I have eternal life and knowing I have grace and peace and his love every day. I can always find joy in those things that circumstances or situations in life cannot touch and cannot change. And notice Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, and so I say as your pastor to you today, that part of this rejoice in the Lord is don't hold it in. Let it out. So can I get a praise the Lord this morning? Can I get a hallelujah this morning? Amen. So often we... Don't express our joy to the Lord. That's part of what our worship is to be all about. It's to give all of us an opportunity to express it. And Paul's saying, you realize that as you express your joy to the Lord, that peace that you can't humanly comprehend will be in your life if we're just obedient to do these things, because if we don't rejoice and, and we don't become reconciled with each other and we don't become relentless in our spiritual walk, we begin to build up that spiritual plaque within our soul that, again, prevents really experiencing and enjoying the peace that passes all understanding. Notice the next one, verse 4. He also says... Let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. It's a great word. It speaks about how we treat one another. So here's the fourth principle. Be relentless. Be reconciled. Rejoice. Be reasonable. That's a great definition for this Greek word. Be reasonable. Don't be unreasonable with one another. Be accommodating. Be cooperative. Yield to others. Again, not to have them walk all over us, but be willing to yield maybe even at times our rights. Be a reasonable person. Because people that aren't reasonable and people that are always looking for a fight and looking to be offended and all of this, they are never at peace. Never. And they certainly, as a Christian, will never experience or enjoy the peace of God. 
And notice, why does Paul then also say, oh, by the way, Christian, the Lord is near? Because he's reminding us of something we should always remember. Jesus sees how we treat each other. Jesus hears what we say to each other or about each other, even if the person's not in the room. Jesus knows our heart towards others. And he's reminding us that how we treat one another is ultimately how we treat him. Is that not what Jesus said to Saul on his way to Damascus when he stopped Saul dead in his tracks and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus identified with every last Christian that Saul persecuted. Every last Christian that Saul had murdered, every last Christian that Saul had thrown into prison, Jesus Christ said, you did that to me, Saul. And so Paul is saying here, let's be reasonable towards each other. Let's give each other grace and give ourselves grace. Let's remember that the Lord is always near and he sees how we treat one another. And how we speak to one another. And it grieves the heart of Jesus and then prevents peace in our life when we treat each other in a very unchristlike way. Then he says, the next one, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Do not be anxious about anything. By the way, in the Greek, Language and in the Greek New Testament, whatever word came first was the word of emphasis. Well, in the Greek New Testament, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the very first word is anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, through prayer, with petition and with thanksgiving, tell your requests to God. How do you and I prevent spiritual plaque in our life? Develop and cultivate a prayer life. Turn to the Lord. Tell your requests to God. Talk things out with God about anything and everything. Prayerlessness is such a huge thing within the community of Christianity today. And then we wonder why I have no prayer life and I lack the peace of God. Paul's saying, no, our, our prayerlessness builds up that plaque. And even though the peace of God that passes all understanding is there it's not flowing. It's being blocked because we'll talk about it to everybody else. We'll even start to talk to it with ourselves and get ourselves in such a bad mental state, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Paul's saying, turn to the Lord. Talk things out with God. He knows anyway. So just start learning to commune and communicate with him. And notice he says, 
And then, verse 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard is a military term. It means to literally put a garrison around. In other words, not only will we be able to experience and enjoy the peace of God, but when the peace of God truly is flowing through our soul like God ever intended for it to, it literally guards our hearts and minds from having anything come into it that could rob us and undermine our peace. By the way, let me say this. Some of you out there, the reason why you are struggling with being at peace is you allow music and, and, and videos and TV programs and movies to come into your heart and mind that will literally rob you of the peace of God. And that's why the term guard here is so important and why, again, then it swings into verse 8. Because the next principle is be reflective. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why the prophet Isaiah says, come, let's reason together. God wants us to use our minds, but to direct them in a very specific and intentional way. And part of why so many even Christians have been robbed of the peace that passes understanding is that their thinking is all messed up. They're thinking about unbiblical things. And by the way, maybe they're not even thinking at all. Because this word think talks about deep thinking. Again, you don't have to externally answer this question, but I'm, I'm going to ask this question. When was the last time you took time to think deeply God says that's important. In fact, this is where we get the idea of Christian meditation. That's really another word here. You could put the word meditate about these things. See, this is a call to meditation. And meditation is just designed to help us to listen to what God has already said. Let me repeat that. That's my definition of Christian meditation. Meditation is designed to help us listen to what God has already said. That's why he lists all the things that he does here. Wrong meditation. Meditation that will get you in trouble is that new age meditation that just simply says, empty your mind of everything and then whatever just starts to flow in there, that's what you put your mind on and that's what you meditate. That's dangerous. That won't get you anywhere. In fact, that will destroy your thinking. No, God says, no, I've got to be in, I've got to fight for my mind. I've got to intentionally draw my mind down on certain things and not allow the lies of the enemy, 
the devil who's the father of lies and not allow even the lies of my own thinking and the lies of others creep into my thinking patterns. I've got to develop a pattern of meditation and of right thinking because if I start to allow my mind to, to have all these unchristlike and unbiblical thoughts in it, it will literally take away my experience of the peace of God. But if I learn to direct my thinking on certain things and keep it there, I will experience that peace. One final one, and this may be the most important. He says, and what you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The final principle, be responsible, do. Regular practice will always lead to proficiency in anything. And the word do here is literally the word that says practice, practice, practice. It's not a one and done like a lot of Christians want. To. I want an experience, God. I want a one-time thing. Give me that lightning bolt, God, and then jettison me ahead. No, no. God says no. It's every day just being constant and being consistent and just regular practice every day. That's what over the long haul builds that cumulative effect of proficiency in anything. And Paul is saying to the Philippians, practice, practice, practice. Be responsible to do these things on a regular basis. Develop those spiritual disciplines and those patterns in your life. Again, that's where many Christians struggle today because they don't have disciplines built into their life. It's just sort of whatever, again, flows this way and that way. No, Paul says you've got to lock it down and you've got to say this is what I'm going to do even though I don't feel like it and this is going to be a priority and I'm not going to let other things come in and then disrupt that. That's got to stay. That is a non-negotiable, Paul says. But when you and I do that, over a long period of time, it just continues to create the enjoyment and experience of God's peace. One other thing. I want you to go back, and if you mark your Bibles, I would encourage you to mark these two phrases. Because I want you to notice something that Paul does here that's a little bit subtle, but it's very powerful. Notice in verse 7 that Paul uses the phrase, the peace of God. But then in verse 9, he says, the God of peace. Why is that significant? Because it's one thing for a Christian to go, I'm enjoying the gift of God, the, the peace that he gives me as one of his children. It's a whole other level, Paul says, whenever the very presence of God is so near you that it's just his presence alone that just sort of gives you that peace. And Paul's saying, don't you want to just sense God's nearness and presence in that way, that it's just like he's just sitting right next to you and, and you can feel him and you can sense him. And, and then it doesn't matter. There, there's going to be that 
peace just from the, the mere power of his presence? Now again, technically, is not God with us all the time? Absolutely. But if, if we're doing certain things, we actually can begin to experience it and enjoy it on a whole other level and, and get rid of the things that's blocking that experience and bring him ever closer. Just like our worship team did today. I mean, to me, they did a great job of bringing us close to the presence of God. And we, we, could, we could sense and feel his presence here, right? It wasn't like he wasn't here. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul so wanted the Philippians who were so dear to him to experience what he ex ex is experiencing and he's in prison. It's not like the circumstances of his life is great right now. He's in prison in Rome for the cause of Christ. And he says, but I'm experiencing the peace that passes all understanding because you, you, you can't even explain it. it. It's beyond our comprehension and it's beyond explanation, but you know when you got it. You know when you've got it. And so that's why Paul says here, you've got it. Are you experiencing it? The way we experience it, Paul says, is to be relentless, to be reconciled, to rejoice, to be reasonable, to be prayerful, to be reflective, and to be responsible in our walk with God. Are you at peace? Let's stand. I know that every one of us here this morning could say, well, I, I know I need to draw a little bit nearer to God than where I am right now. We, we could all say that. We could all respond in that way. But because of this message this morning, I want to ask some of you. There are some of you here today that you need to just literally make a decision in a specific area of your life to begin to experience God's peace that passes all understanding. And you need to step out this morning by faith and with courage and come and say to the Lord this morning, Lord, I need your peace in this right now. I need your peace, God, for this right now. If I was honest, it's not totally well with my soul. I, I know where I'm going when I die. I know my sins are forgiven. But there's been something or someone or whatever that has just, it's preventing me from truly enjoying that peace. Maybe some spiritual plaque has built up in my soul. I, I don't know what it is. But would you come this morning and let me at the end pray for you? Because we want you to leave here this morning at peace.
and God with you is always that peace that passes all understanding. So God, I pray for all of us here today that as we leave this place of refuge, where we draw so close to you and with one another, and we go out into a world that lacks peace, that, God, you would keep us centered and standing in the Lord, and that, God, you would help us and enable us to truly experience that peace in all of life's situations and circumstances that we would be a people of peace and we would carry that peace with us all day long, every day. That no matter what happens, God, we can rejoice in the Lord, in who you are and who you have been and who you will be to all of us. But God, I, I sensed today, today too that there were others, God, here that they were struggling, but it wasn't so much for themselves as much as someone else in their life. Someone that they know who, Lord, in no way is experiencing that kind of peace or that level of peace. So God, I pray that you would honor those who've come on behalf of others today as an advocate, as an intercessor, as one who has even stepped out and said, God, if it's even you or me that, that you can use to bring about that peace in their life, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, God, just use me. And certainly God brings someone into their life, something into their life, God, that can bring them back to that place of peace. Because, God, right now, they're, they're in turmoil. They're miserable. They're running from you, maybe. They're, they're fighting with others, maybe even fighting within themselves. God, they're missing out on your peace every day. So, God, I pray that you would just help us to continue to be prayerful and turn to you about these situations and these people and that we would talk things out with you. And we would not allow our hearts and our minds to be filled with anxiety and worry over things, God, that are beyond our control and even beyond our comprehension, but that we would center our minds on the things that, Lord, you've already told us just help us to listen to what you've already said, God, and to trust in you and in your promises. God, make the Oasis Church a place of peace, not only of peace with one another, but, Lord, a place where people can come and be at peace and find peace with you. We don't know, any of us, what this next week is going to hold. But God, I pray that whatever this week brings, 
that your Holy Spirit would bring us back to this place right now, where we are with you right now, and would sort of just recenter and recalibrate our lives back so that we don't get pulled away or pushed off our center, which is you, Jesus. May all of us leave here today being able to say the words of this song. It is well with my soul. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for meeting with us today. And we know, God, even when we close this service in just a moment, that doesn't end your ministry with us or amongst us. You're on no timetable or time limit. So God, continue to do what only you can do in our hearts and lives for the rest of this day and into this week. These things we humbly ask in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all for being here. We'll see you next week.